Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you guys for joining us once again. I have an old friend and a guest with me today. His name is Pastor Mooney, and you guys are probably very familiar with him. He has uh, been at the mission for at least the last 22 years or so, maybe a little longer than that, but regardless, he's been there for several decades. Uh, He has not only the heart for the ministry, but he has a heart for the men that he ministers to. And uh, he and I, over the course of the last uh, 18 years that I've been there, I've had many, many, many conversations, and we've been on the radio together many times as well. And it's always my pleasure to have him back on the show with me. Uh, He is going to be probably retiring next June and going back to Missouri, and so uh well, of course, we're going to miss him and everything, but I, I'm always hoping, Tom, that that doesn't mean you're not going to stay in touch with me all the time. You know, I might even come back to Missouri and see you. But uh, today we wanted to talk a little bit about the mission and about the faith and, and uh, the you know, as we look around us, we see that the whole of society seems to be just kind of imploding on itself, and that's primarily due to the fact that we, as a nation and as a world, seem to have walked away from the true and living God, not at the mission. We have never backed off and never backed down uh, from that that call. We take Romans one sixteen very seriously. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but we also need to add on why we're not ashamed of it. And we're not ashamed of it, and he told us, because it is salvation for those who will believe. And so when we look out on the street and we see the denigration of our society, what we see as as pastors and people who love Christ is lost people on their way to hell. And that is an unbearable thought, that people would— would, for the sake of reaching out, just go their own merry way and dance off into the uh, arms of eternity. It just, it's baffling to me, excepting that I know that every heart, mine, and everyone in the world has started off with a sinful and a depraved heart that does not seek God. And so today, I'm hoping that we can shed a little light, bring a little encouragement, maybe a warning or two, uh, but uh, there's a lot of things we need to talk about. One thing I'd like to get clear before we start, a police officer the other day was under the impression that we hand out tents. Uh, I want to dispel that, but before you say to yourself, well, I thought you were supposed to serve these people. Well, no, I serve God, but I do care about the people on our program and on the street However, uh, giving them tents only enables them to live in a lifestyle they shouldn't. Yes, we feed them, we clothe them, we house them, we have a warming center in the wintertime, but these are necessities. 
We don't want to make it so comfortable for the people out on the street that they don't hear the message of salvation. And so to save the body and lose the soul, what a crazy trade that is. And so, no, we do not give out tents. If you donate one, we do not give them to homeless people. Again, we'll feed them, clothe them, house them, care about them, make sure that they they uh, hear the word of God, but we're not going to give them tents to put them out in front of your sidewalks and stuff. We don't do that. Uh, and Thomas, have we ever done that? For a, for a long time, uh, 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 if people donated tents, we would uh, give them to those who needed them. But what we found out was all we're doing is making it possible for our target audience to stay away. Yeah, not not come in and hear the message. Not to come in, and we have seventy beds for 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 homeless men, and we want those beds filled, and and we want to feed them, and and we want to get to know them and get to love them. I uh, I was preaching on Sunday morning there at the mission. And a, a young man who had been stabbed, mm-hmm. and we had the report that he died. Yes. And I was relaying that to the audience, and I looked, and there he was. What? Yes, he did not die. He recovered from his injuries, and he had just decided that it wasn't a safe place to be in front of the mission for him for a while. Well, I'm, and, I'm amazed. This is the first I heard of that. Yeah, and I was so grateful because as the chaplain, when I sit and I think about the number of men who have walked out of the mission into eternity, I know their names, mm-hmm. I can see their faces. I was so grateful that God had spared his life. You know, it's a funny thing, too, because that particular individual that you're talking about would vocalize all day long. But when he came into the mission property, when he came to the church services, he was polite, respectful, and quiet. Absolutely. And so uh, regardless through whatever haze there is there, he had a certain reverence for God. And so I I truthfully was sad to hear that he had passed. passed. And so I'm glad you told me. I know Scott and I were just talking about that guy the other day. Well, that's amazing. I, it just goes to show you that reporting isn't always as it should be, <laughs> right? So uh, over the course of the last 20-something years that you've been there, I know since I've been there in, uh, for the last 18 years, going on 19, uh, I have seen the fair share of guys even on our program that have – have gone back to prison, that have done very bad things, and fair amount of them that have died as a result of being out on the street. Uh, even, and we won't use his name, but there was a young man that came on the program. I remember he drove in in a Mercedes. He had a Mercedes. He had to get rid of that. He was young. He had came. He came from a, a family that was fairly affluent, and uh, but he had was addicted. So he didn't, as I understand, no, he did not graduate the program. No, he didn't. But he decided that he could handle it, went back out on the street, was in the wrong place, maybe seeking drugs. I don't know exactly what he did, but he also got stabbed to death. And uh, he was a young man. 
I mean, you know, he was maybe in his late 20s, right? Yes. And so over the course of the years, Thomas, I know you've seen a lot of tragedies like that, right? Yeah, and I know their names and I can see their faces. Mm-hmm. And every one of them was made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Every one of them needed Christ. Every one of them heard the gospel message at the mission. We're responsible to put out a clear, concise gospel and see what God will do with it. And we have seen men come and get saved, get a life, get a job, get a wife. We've seen it over and over again. Yep. But the community that we're in is a a community of heartbreaks. You know, to that point, Two things that should be uplifting to you, me, and to the people out there is one of our guys who graduated the program, he goes to uh, he goes to Redeemer, uh, used to be EGBC. I'm not going to mention his name, but he went through the program. He probably wouldn't mind, but I didn't ask him first. He went through the program, and I uh, graduated on the other side. He even had tattoos indicating he didn't believe in our Christ. But he came to that true saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He got married, and uh, I just saw a picture of their little baby. Isn't it glorious, Pastor? His, his, <laughs> his mom had dropped him off. At yeah, Malaysia, yeah. And he was so angry that she did that. He she was, didn't let the pressure up either. And and And, and I said, well, you don't want to be here? He said, no. I said, well, leave. And he looked at me. I said, we don't want you to to stay if you don't want to be here. That won't do you any good. But, Pastor, I got to give him the gospel. Well, I know he received it. Yes, amen. uh, Because he is a solid member of the church out there. And, you know, when he was dating somebody else uh, years ago, he was— he came to me after he had graduated to let me know he was dating because he wanted to be upright about everything he was doing. So uh, very cool, and the baby is a beautiful little baby. Uh, so uh, very good. And by the way, you had said something, and I wanted to visit for a minute. You said that every single one of these men that has come onto the program has been made in the image of God. So I also want to let you know that some people try to visualize God. And I heard one preacher say that he had a, a from fingertip to thumb tip, it was nine and a half inches. He was six foot two. He, you know, I don't know where they get this stuff. But you know what? If you're out there or you have a child and your child has been born without having uh, the benefit of all his limbs or her limbs or sight or there's some kind of what we would call deformation, that child is still made in the image of the living God because the image of the living God, you know, you can't put the physicality on that. When God says made in our image, we're made in his image. Every little bit of conscience that we might have is still because of that being made in God's image. Yeah, uh, sometimes we reject Christ. We, we don't 
come to Christ, we become worse and worse, and we're given over to the depravity of our sins. But within every single person, there's that God spark, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to get in a theological debate. I'm just saying that we are made in God's image, and there's vestiges of that that you can see in most people. Why does a man throw himself in the river when he hears a child cry? Yeah, yeah. But no concern for his life. Mm-hmm. Why, does, why does a man run into a burning house with people he doesn't know when he hears their cries for help? Why, does, why does a woman completely cover her body over a child in a dangerous situation? Yeah, we're made in the image of God, and we bear his image. And that's the fight right now that the church is in. And we have to raise our voices because there is a total destruction of, of moral values that's sweeping the United States. And morality comes from the Bible. Now, you can have a robust morality if you're an atheist, but the truths that you're receiving are what's been stated in the Holy Scriptures. And so that is the fight that we're in. We have to remind people that they're made in the image of God and there is a faithful creator who loves them, sent his son to die on the cross for them, rose again on the third day. Pastor, if you believe that in your heart, God will declare you righteous and save your soul. You know, uh, that is that is the something that we always need to look at. And you talk about the morality, and you talk about atheists that have a robust sense of uh, conscience. And, and it's amazing to me. They will say that we cannot put God's morality on them, that there is no perfect right or wrong. And yet, they are stating something they believe to be right and perfect. Where does right come from? So my question for people who don't believe in God, what is right and what is wrong? How? What do you make that determination? As long as you don't violate somebody else's rights? Now, that doesn't work. Tell me, if, if you're going to say that uh, it's up to each individual and let their conscience be their guide, you're going to have the Lord of the Flies all over again. Because Hitler probably did what he thought was right, and he was a monster. Joseph Stalin, but you don't even have to go that far. You go to the man who decides that his physical needs are outweigh a woman's uh, right to say no and you've got somebody who has, well, how can you say that if it's okay, if it seems right to you, it's okay. So a headhunter, it's okay because he doesn't know any better than that. No, that none of that cuts it, does it? God gave us an internal witness. Mm-hmm. God gave us what you referred to as conscience. And, that's right. And, and that's the, the, the heart of the matter where we're trying to reach people because the philosophy that they're living by only brings them greater pain and greater bondage. 
Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Jesus said, love one another. This is my commandment, love one another. And then Jesus said, as the Father loves me, he told his disciples, so the Father loves you. Obey my commandments and walk in my love. Love doesn't do anybody any harm. Love gives hope. Everybody's yearning for love, and it's found on a hill called Golgotha, where this great Son of God bore the wrath of God for all our wrongdoing and made peace with God. That's what love is about. You know, in an attempt to justify themselves, people always and did then come to Jesus with some proposal to justify their right or wrong. You know, the, uh, the woman caught in adultery they the Pharisees tried to justify what they were doing by saying, hey, Moses said to Stoner, trying to trap Jesus. But even moreover than that, we try to justify the kind of things that we do somehow as being not so bad as somebody else's, right? And uh, so they will come and they will say, well, the Ten Commandments, that's kind of outdated. And, and so, you know, that question came up too. What Jesus tell us, Lord, what's the greatest of the commandments? So Jesus told us what the greatest commandment was. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So here's my challenge for all of you out there. Pick one of the original Ten Commandments. Read the whole thing, not just the thou shalt not steal, but read the whole of the commandment. And then take what Jesus said and tell me which one of those you can violate. If you do just what he said, because I can tell you a secret right now, nobody has ever loved God with their whole mind, body, and spirit. And to love your neighbor as yourself, what then can you do? The first uh, commandments are, you know, do not take the Lord's name in vain and, you know, have no other gods before you. And then the, the latter parts, you know, don't covet your neighbor's wife, don't covet, don't commit adultery, don't do those things. So again, you're not going to commit adultery if you love God with all your heart and you're not going to uh, love your neighbor as yourself because she is your neighbor. And if she's married, you're not going to covet another man's wife. And vice versa, women. I'm not just saying it would work the same with you. So when people say to me, well, that Christianity is just a bunch of rules and regulations and who can know them all? Okay, just give me those two. Because, yeah, go ahead. Do you know what I love about it? That Christianity is not a religion. That is correct. Christianity is a faith. And what God does is he takes people who are incapable of pleasing him. Yes. And he comes to them, and by his spirit, he makes them alive again to hear the message. That's right. He loves them. And then when they believe the message that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, when they believe that, that Jesus died, was placed in a tomb, and rose from the dead, God calls those sinners righteous. 
He doesn't make them righteous. He declares them righteous, gives them a new heart, Mm -hmm. writes his laws on their heart, gives them his Holy Spirit, and then it's not about guilt anymore, and it's not about the law anymore. It's about a loving relationship with a heavenly Father who loves us the same way he loved Jesus. It's about love and grace and power. You know, I've said it on this show before, and you're familiar, of course, with this, but I love that story uh, about Mordecai Ham, the great preacher of you know the ni- early 1900s. And uh, after lecturing at a seminary, one of the and it was somebody prominent, and I can't remember who it was, maybe a little flippantly walked out and said, "Mordecai uh, Ham, well, who?" What must I do to be saved? And Mordecai just kept walking, said, it's too late. Well, the seminary student said, what? He said, no, 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 seriously, what must I do to be saved? He said, I told you, son, it's too late. This went on a few more times, and finally Mordecai turned around to face him, and he said, no, I really need to know what I must do to be saved. He said, I told you. It's too late because it's already been done for you on the cross of, of Calvary. And so you can't, you can't earn your way into heaven. There's nothing you can do. When God calls you and you come and he, he even gives you the ability to repent, he gives you the ability to seek him. When he has made you alive to do that and you, you come and you, you ask for that forgiveness, you you believe in your heart and you you vocalize with your mouth that he is Lord and he is God and believe that God has, the Father has raised him from the dead. He says you will be saved. You know, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And so having said that, then people always want to say, so, but now I got to keep all these rules. No, no. The difference is you don't have to keep those rules when you become born again, you want to keep those rules. You want to do what pleases God, but guess what? You're incapable still of doing it. So every time you stumble, every time you fall, every time you willfully leap into sin, you are still covered by the same grace that saved you and still covered with that righteousness. We have access by That's grace right. into this faith in which we now stand. We are covered with grace. We couldn't please God before we got saved. We're not closer. We're not better. We don't need to try harder. That's right. The faith was what he wanted. Where did it come from, Pastor Lane? came exactly from the Father. That's right. Not For it's not of works, lest any man should boast. That's right. By grace are ye saved through faith. For those of you who are out there listening, you've tried hard, your heart's condemning you, you feel guilty before God, understand when you believed that Jesus rose from the dead, when you trusted in God's Son, God justified you. It's a legal term. It means there'll be no negative sentence because now you are in Christ Jesus. Can Jesus be condemned? Never. Never. Can you? Never. Yep. So we've only got 30 seconds left. I just wanted to add to that 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 we have not just been forgiven. The debt has been paid, and there's a difference. 
And so once that debt has been paid, it's been paid. And so, as always, my dear friends, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched, and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.